where are your people hanging out? Think about podcasts, YouTube channels, different sorts of blogs, different authority websites like your entrepreneur.com or your Forbes. Wherever your people are hanging out, we're going to those places where people have already curated an audience and we're taking our content to them. I want to challenge people to think about your email list in exactly the same contents that you would think about your social media followers. If you don't talk to them, they will disappear to other places. If you do talk to them, they're likely to stay. My name is Samantha Riley, and this is the podcast for experts who want to be the unapologetic leader in their industry. We're going to share the latest business growth, marketing, and leadership strategies, as well as discussing how you can use your human design to create success in business and life, inside and out. It's time to take your influence, income, and impact to the level you know you're capable of. Are you ready to make a bigger difference and scale up? This is the Influence by Design podcast. Welcome to today's episode of Influence by Design. I'm your co-host for today, Samantha Riley, joined by my fabulous co-host, as always on Thursdays, Tim Hyde. How are you, Tim? Wonderful. I'm going to have a little mic drop moment, but I can't because it's actually on my boom arm, so I can't even drop my microphone right now. <laughs> well, I'm glad you can't because it wouldn't sound very nice, and that's not well, what we're just, here for. It just sounds like a bit of a, a bang. Today, we're going to talk about marketing on a budget and how to get results without breaking the bank. And I think that this is a great topic because no matter how large your business is and how much money you're putting into paid ads, there's always this really great opportunity for uh, organic marketing. It's not just because you can't afford to do paid marketing. I'm a personal believer in paid and organic working side by side. Would you agree with that, Tim? I totally agree with that, Sam. You know, I know I've mentioned on some of the other episodes we've got, I have a, a framework that I use with my clients called my open framework. So organic paid expert and network. And the more of these that we do individually, the more influence they have on each other as well. So mm. if someone's Googling a result and they happen to come across your, you know, your website listing, but I've been listening to your podcast or seeing you on TV or been referred by a friend you know, it has a kind of an influence effect going, oh, for some reason, I'm going to pick that one when, yeah. you know, it's really just that that influence working in our favor. And the more of these we do, the better off we are. I think one of the things that I see a lot, though, is we do a lot of things as what I call half-built bridges. Mm -hmm. So we try stuff, not really put it into practice very well, and then we go and try something else and don't do that very well. And we try something else we don't do that very well either mm. um, and when we sort of start to look at marketing on a budget we're effectively saying I've got limited resources available to me often associated if you're just getting started and you don't have a million dollar ad budget mm -hmm. but you want to look at I've got resources I've got time up my sleeve or I've got someone on my team who's got a particular skill set and I'm going to spend I'm just going to spend my money in different ways I'm going to spend money, money on someone to do the thing, whether it's you or someone else, right? And that's ultimately what we're looking at on a budget, you know, because we don't have the cash yeah. available to us. Totally. So if you've got a little bit of time up your sleeve, organic marketing can bring great results. As Tim just mentioned, it does work really well with paid. So we've got three strategies that we're going to talk about today, which you've probably heard about, but we're going to talk about how to make them even better. And 
I would suggest that once we go through these three strategies that you really think which one feels good to you and just pick one and do it well. Because what I see is people trying to do lots of different things or implement lots of new things all at once. And it's very haphazard, which means that you can't really get the results that you're looking for. Yeah. Ultimately, we're trying to build a system around, I think, as we just talked about, right? We both see we're both seeing the same things. I want you to imagine for a moment that you're trying to teach, you know, five kids to ride a bike at the same time. Oh my goodness, my poor brain just went, no, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> you're gonna end up with lots of tears and lots of skinned knees and you know, and crying. And you probably have to sort of dole out a bunch of ice creams to, you know, pay off bribes. But if you only had one kid that you were teaching to to ride it would be much easier because you could set up all your focus on that one until there's such time is there up and you're doing it well. Mm-hmm. But if you try to do too much at once, we tend to find that you, you know, your attention is divided and you potentially don't have the resources to make either work. Mm-hmm. Right. As much as you could, if you were just focused on the one, right. So yeah. as we're talking through these, look at again, which one you want to do. It probably doesn't matter too much, which one you start with. Mm-hmm. But look at getting it right and then maybe adding a second channel. Love it, love it. And love that metaphor too. I think that was great. So let's start off with the first one, which is social media. This is a great way to market organically on a budget, but it's also can be a really big time sap if you don't have a strategy or as Tim, as you just said, a system around this. So I'm going to start off here. I think that one of the biggest things is creating quality over quantity. I don't think that you should be spending, you know, 15 hours a day just creating and posting. And there's a few people in my world that have said to me just recently, oh, you know, this particular person on Instagram is posting five times a day. And I said, have a look at the niche they're in. Their niche is selling Instagram courses. You don't need to be posting five times a day. <laughs> yeah. I remember years ago, I was actually approached by, I think it was a, a mortgage broker and they'd put a collaboration together with a real estate agent and an insurance broker. And their intent was to post three times per day around this idea of selling houses. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, That's a lot. right? And yes, you're going to sort of dominate your space, but how much can you talk about three times a day in something that has a sort of seven to 10 year sales life cycle. Yep. Um, And we do need to sort of be, I think, temper our, the amount of content and amount is important. Let's not forget because it does give you exposure uh, with creating content that people actually want to watch. We don't want to be in a position and you will get penalized by the, you know, the Facebook algorithms of the world if people start watching your content, get about three seconds in and then skip to the next piece. Totally. Okay. So we've got to create content that's informative, that's entertaining, that's engaging. And if you can bang out 10 pieces of content like that every single day, knock your socks off. Mm. But it's very, very hard to do and you may not be doing anything else. Absolutely. There is a little caveat I want to put here. We do want to be, I guess entertaining our audience because when we're on social media we don't want to be talked at but at the same time don't make your content so entertaining 
that you're missing the point of or or your watcher viewer listener is missing the point so it's one thing to entertain your audience but you still need to be able to get a certain point across if you want to be known as a thought leader or you want to be able to educate your audience so you know dancing and and pointing at things it might go viral but is it going to go viral to the right people yeah i mean don't just fill your cat your 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 feed with cat memes Mm -mm. um if that's not what you're talking about Mm, yeah Definitely come up with a strategy. I'd suggest doing, uh, putting together uh, some sort of content system, it's simply just in a Google sheet and working at working backwards. What is it that your offer is this month? What is it that you're trying to sell? What is it that you're, you know, wanting people to do or take as the next step? And then work backwards. What is the the content that you need to produce that primes people to wind up there at some stage i'm not saying that everything needs to be specifically selling and have a call to action but what does your audience maybe need to know or what would they you know like to know about that particular topic uh, yeah one thing that i know sam you shared on my podcast at, at more clients less effort um was a, a system that you use around your content which i really loved and i think it's worth sharing here as well was that you have your content created around a rolling theme cycle Right. So you've gone as a coach, I've got, you know, 16 themes and January is this theme. And then July next year is that same theme and allows yep. you to kind of reuse that same content and thinking as you create those, you know, the content around that particular theme. And if you're using some kind of calendar, um, I've just started using ClickUp actually for content because it allows me to go not only sort of different views, it allows me to create a calendar view as well as a sort of content view and go as a list and go, well, that content worked because I, you know, got lots of traction on that last month. So let's put mm-hmm. that back into the queue for next time. Yeah. Um, but also look at it as a calendar view around particular times of year and promotions and activities mm-hmm. that might be trigger events for a buying cycle for my client. Totally. Your ideal prospects will always have similar or the same problems. I think that a lot of people get caught up trying to create something new all the time where we're actually we're always got new people coming to the into our audience that may not have seen a past piece of content and they've got a a problem or something that they would like a solution to that is the same as what you've you know been talking about even 10 years ago so it's not a problem to republish your content maybe you'll publish it with different uh, you know, you'll rewrite it, maybe publish it with different images. But, you know, a little trick for this, uh, as you're saying there, Tim, is to go on, on something like Instagram or onto Facebook or whatever social media platform you're on and have a look at your top 10 uh, most engaged posts and rejig them, rewrite them, you know, come up with different images and repost them. Even produce them as as different content, right? Created as yeah. an audiogram or a video or a or a meme or as you know, whatever. Um, another one I, I want to throw out there, just as we're we're talking about this, Sam. There's other sites if you don't have a body of content, mm-hmm. when a start and you'll find out what resonates with your particular audience. But you can use other tools like answerthepublic.com. Cora uh, is a great place for seeing what questions people ask. ChatGPT. Mm-hmm which we're Mm -hmm. going to talk about a bit more later as another place you can say, what does my audience ask about these particular things? Even if you start typing a Google search, you'll see the Mm -hmm. drop-down box, Mm -hmm. right? 
those are prompts that Google are giving you for the most common questions that people ask about the top the area of expertise you have. I actually use that quite often, that that Google trick, because it'll bring up things that people are typing before you've even thought about it. Yeah. You know, and even things like um, Moz, you can actually start to go and look at trending content in your particular area and go, well, if this is trending content, maybe I need to create some content around that, either agreeing or disagreeing with that point of view. Mm, love it, love it, love it. All right, so that's social media. That's the first one. Number two is email. Oh email God. is one of, I know, this right? Like this is old school. Your, your wheelhouse, Tim. It is old school, and I think that people can get caught up in trying to, you know, find the newest, brightest, shiniest thing. But one of the cheapest forms of marketing you can do is email. Yeah, and the reason we, we call it cheap <laughs> is because you can send out emails to your list practically for free mm -hmm. to communicate with them. Um, sales are made in conversation, and if we don't have conversation with people, it does not work. And I would challenge most people, if you've got an email list of a couple of hundred, right, even a hundred people, which is not very many, if you were to send them an email today asking them a question, you would get a, a bunch of replies, uh, you know, which it gives you the opportunity to start a conversation about saying, hey, do you still want to help with that particular thing that brought you into my list in the first place? Mm. People mm -hmm. are deathly afraid of emailing their lists on a regular basis. They are. I'm, and I'm not really sure why, but they definitely are. I do want to call out the elephant in the room because I've heard a lot of people say this to me recently, that deliverability is down, but it's still the cheapest and still the most effective way to connect directly with your prospects, your audience, people that are in your world. Yeah, and, and that's easy. you just got to use it, right? I, I, I want to challenge people to think about your email list in exactly the same contents that you would think about your social media followers. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you don't talk to them, they will disappear to other places. If yeah. you do talk to them, they're likely to stay. And so if you think, oh my God, how often I should sort of email my list? Should I send it once a month? I say, well, are you putting a post up on social media and expecting it to be effective if you only do it once a month? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No. Okay, you've got to do it more regularly. And the same rule applies. You've got to be informative. You've got to be entertaining. You've got to be educational. Mm -hmm. And you actually, actually ask people to do something. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And the third one, Tim, this is... Third one, we're going to throw PR in here. Um, mm -hmm. And this is off the, obviously at the back of um, your content. I think where when we look at PR, we think, oh, my God, I've got to go and engage a a PR firm because they've mm -hmm. got the list of people that I want and, and all that sort of stuff. All they're doing effectively, they're charging you for the relationships that they've developed with. Yeah. Uh, they're charging you, know. you to open their little black book. That's right. That's what, that's what a PR firm is, you know, ultimately doing and apologies to all the PR people out there who think it's much more complicated than that. I'm, I'm happy to be corrected otherwise. Mm -hmm. um, but generally speaking, you are charging for those relationships and those relationships are valuable because they've taken the time to go and build the relationships with those publishers who have audiences that you want to reach. Yes. But you can absolutely do this yourself if we remember two rules, okay? We've got to know that publishers and, and journalists and generals, general sort of sense editors want one of two things. They either want to make more money from the content they're reaching, right? 
or they want content, which will give them more audience, which allow them to make more money from the audience they're reaching. Yeah. Yeah. So if we think about, we think about that, if you try and just reach out to someone completely cold in the same way that you would reach out to any partner of yours and say, Hey, I don't know you and you don't know me, but can you please publish this content to, you know, your 10 million followers? They'll go, Hold your horses right there. No. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I know you've got a little button that actually makes that noise on your desk there, Sam. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, if you haven't, you need to program it. Uh, but if we're reaching out to someone, we need to build a relationship with them first, and then we need to go to them with content that allows that makes their life easier. Mm-hmm. And yeah. once we've done that, we can then take and we've got that leverage and say maybe you've appeared on a, you know, on a podcast or a, a journal or a, you know, publication somewhere. Take that content elsewhere, and go. Hey, I've just appeared over here with this piece of content. I thought you might be interested in this as well, okay? Mm-hmm. Because you've got a very similar audience and it did well over there. And it's the leverage through doing that that allows us to do more stuff. Yeah. So I just want to sort of go back a little bit before we move forward again. So when you're thinking about PR, think about any authority publication that's within your industry. So I think when most people think of PR, they think of, you know, television, radio, um, newspaper, but start to think a little bit outside the box above that. Where are your people hanging out? Think about podcasts, YouTube channels, different sorts of blogs, different you know, authority websites like your entrepreneur.com or your Forbes or whatever that is, wherever your people are hanging out, we, we're going to those places where people have already curated an audience and we're taking our content to them. As Tim said, we need to think through the eyes of the curator of those audiences. So the, the people who own the YouTube channel or the podcast hosts or the journalists, We need to think through their eyes. What is going to make their life easier right now that they don't need to do a lot of work to understand what it is we're talking about? How can we take topics that are topical right now to them to give them the content that they need? So think about how can we save them time by helping them out, not through the eyes of I want to push my thing. So it's a very different, very different thinking in doing that. Yeah. And again, it's, it's, you're absolutely right, Sam. It's what's in it for them, not what's in it for you. You're going to get mm-hmm. some benefit. Absolutely. But what's in it for them first, make mm-hmm. their life easy, as you said, right. And then give it to them in a format that they can use without much work. Yeah. In a format that they can understand straight away. I know that I get pictures for my podcast. People reach out. They definitely are coming from them from a position of, Hey, I want you to feature me. But I read through the email and it just, it doesn't make sense. I don't understand how that topic fits in with our show. I don't understand how, you know, what it is that they do. So make sure that the person that's getting this can very easily and briefly go through uh, your email and understand straight away. Yeah. And then start building a list. Okay. Don't just do it once. Knock up a, a Google sheet or an Excel sheet or something, even a notepad if you want to, of you know names and contacts, audience, audience size. What are they looking for? Ask the question. What are you looking for? Mm. You know, what would be valuable to you? And then keep that all right, and stick that into your CRM. <laughs> and when you've got content that you've 
done really well on social media, <laughs> email your PR list. Yeah. Now, you did talk about this very briefly. You talked about leverage, and I want to go into this deeper because I think that a lot of people think that getting the publicity in the first place is the sort of the beginning and the end of the story. But in actual fact, it's it's only just one tiny small piece of the story. Getting the publicity and doing nothing with it is unlikely to do a huge amount for you unless you're you know, being hit on something big. But even saying that, I did have a client many years ago that uh, jumped the gun a bit and got herself uh, onto breakfast television. I suggested at the time that she probably should even just wait a week or two before pitching, but she went for it, got a huge amount of views and nothing came of it because she didn't have anything in the background in place for how she was going to convert those viewers into moving them into her audience. So yeah. Tim, can you talk a little bit about what you mean by leverage? Yeah, well, there's a couple of different ways here. Right? So obviously this is a really good example, Sam, of someone who has jumped the gun and, and gone and created exposure, but not had the system in place of what to do with it. We've got to think about any of our activities that we do in marketing as not just throwing the mud against the wall and seeing what sticks. Mm-hmm. It has to deliberately and systematically move someone a who becomes aware of you along a journey to ultimately becoming a raving fan of yours. And somewhere in the middle there, there's a sale and some delivery of some stuff. Right? Mm-hmm. But if we haven't architected our customer journey first, doing any kind of exposure is almost like, well, let's just see what works and maybe something does. And But it's not a very scientific approach it's missing the mm-hmm. sort of science of marketing right <laughs> and overweighing just the art yeah so it, it is about consistency in whichever uh whichever area you choose to focus on and paying attention to the data so that you can test the results measure the results and refine the results um you and i were talking beforehand because we thought we pay attention to or keep our data in a Google sheet. And I was thinking you were going to have some really fancy way you did it. I was actually almost sheepishly going, I just use a Google sheet. How do you do it? Knowing that you're the, you know, this is paying attention to data and, and, you know, having lots of software in your business is something you do. And what was your answer? How do you pay attention to your data? Absolutely. I just use a Google sheet. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Sometimes it's just a matter of keeping things simple. We don't want to overcomplicate it. And, you know, you've heard me talk about this a lot, Sam, right? You know, for most businesses, we're optimizing, I have nothing compared to I have something. Yep. Right? So if you have no metrics in place right now to track whether your marketing is working, start putting something in place. And and something as simple as a Google Sheet is absolutely okay. So start tracking, you know, go into your Facebook or your Meta Business Suite and look at the number of Insta and Facebook followers you have and record that each week and go, well, if I, and then record the number of posts you did. And if you did no posts and your traffic, your audience didn't change, well, okay, unsurprising. Maybe it went down. If you did, you know, 20 posts and your audience didn't change, maybe my content didn't hit the mark and you need to mm-hmm. change your content up. Right? Mm. If I had... 20 posts and my audience is increasing, but I'm not getting any more opt-ins. Maybe I need to look at what my opt-in strategy is. 
totally totally right? and so marketing in in invariably um is this iterative process to find out what works for you and your audience yeah not there's no you know as much as marketers are good at screwing things up there's no one size fits all yeah. tactic that works totally right? what's working right now but there's some fundamental under things that underpin the development of human human relationships that ultimately makes people want to buy from you yeah so you did mention don't throw spaghetti at a wall i do believe you need to start there you do need to start just by throwing some spaghetti on a wall and then <laughs> seeing what sticks and then refining <laughs> it you know because yes. what works for one person doesn't necessarily work for another so don't just blindly follow what someone else says works yeah. check try it for yourself see how it's different as you said, this is where that having that Google sheet of, you know, of, uh, you know, I did this content and it really resonated or that content didn't go back and have a look at it. Um, in fact, there's a, uh, a US entrepreneur from the 1800s, John Wanamaker was actually in the, in a US parliament, you know, US Senate, I think he was as well. Um, as a lot of politicians back where they, they were both politicians and business owners, um, Famously said, uh, you know, half of my marketing works. I just don't know which half. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, we've got the tools now available to us to get far more intelligence about what we're doing if we choose to use it. Absolutely. And, and there it is, if we choose to use it. So definitely choose to use it. Pay attention to, you know, what's working, what's not. When something does work, why did it work? If you've got the data there, you can tell, and then you can replicate that and get more success. Tim, let's talk about, you know, every now and again, we get stuck for ideas. Even though yep. uh, we know our content inside and out, sometimes it's nice to have that little bit of inspiration. You did mention ChatGPT a little earlier. We use it. For this podcast but i think it would be really helpful to talk about when we use it and when we don't because i think that there is definite you know two definite camps there <laughs> well this is probably a full episode in itself but very 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 quickly i think one of the things that i'm seeing with ai right and ai has dominated the marketing and business conversation in the early part of 2023, it was starting to come out last year, but certainly, you know, I can't go on a, uh, you know, on a, a TikTok reel without coming across a post that says, here are five websites that should be completely illegal, right? And invariably they're five AI driven mm -hmm. sort of tools, which are very, very cool, but we've got to get the prompts right. Correct. So I think the first thing when we look at using AI to inform and create our content is that we've got to look at, um, making sure that we understand what the prompts are in order to get the output we want. Absolutely. Okay. I am um, just a little, I want to give you an example of this because we do use chat GPT sometimes to come up with topic ideas for this show. And I put in a prompt that I mixed up the way that I asked the sentence Basically, I wanted to know what was an SEO optimized title, but the way I typed the prompt in, it thought I was asking 
explored a topic around SEO, which I am definitely no expert in whatsoever. And I got 20 topic ideas for different ways to use SEO. And it just showed me that I did not enter that prompt very well. So being able to, to enter your prompt well and specifically is an art in itself. Yeah. So you could first up use ChatGPT to say, how should I prompt you to get the best outcome? This, <laughs> best I haven't, I haven't actually this, done that. <laughs> for this outcome. And we, and we will see uh, AI start to pop up in a lot of different areas of our life, you know, to, to, to do that kind of thing, right? Go and, go and read a blog on it, right? There's probably a blog out there on how to, how to sort of create really good prompts. Uh, I know I was just using one yesterday to kind of work out how to prompt mid-journey to create you know, images and yep. what prompts I could potentially use to create something that was um, more informative. As a, as, a, as a general rule, the more detailed the prompt, the better output you will get. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay? Don't just like, give me five topics on this or give me three on that. Um, you know, the more detail you get, uh, you'll, the better you'll get, you'll better results you get, right? So yep. I had some fun the other day. I was playing around with writing a country song about a cow dying, you know, sung by Michael Jackson. Oh my goodness gracious! <laughs> it can be it can be fun. <laughs> you can create some really 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 fun stuff. It was actually uh it was it was an incredible song. I should have had it write the music for me as well, but it was just I got the lyrics. Um, so that's one way we can use it. Get the prompt right. I think the second way is looking at it as you said for topic ideas. Um, I am not a fan at the moment of getting a direct cut and paste for your blog content or for your social media post, particularly yeah. blog content, you know, even if it's SEO optimized, because um, what I am starting to see in some of the conversations in that space is that the algorithms that make sure that uh, Google and Bing and so on are delivering really high quality original content to their readers is also looking at saying, was this written by an AI bot? Mm-hmm. Okay, and you're going to get penalised. I think we will start to see the same in social media algorithms mm -hmm. as well. And eventually, it's a long way down the track yet, we will start to see that in uh, deliverability around email servers as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, so don't use it for your SEO because it's probably not going to work. Okay, mm. but do use it for ideas. And But again, take that content and if it gives you a gives you a post, like turn your video camera on and read it out. Yeah. So use it for topic ideas, use it for coming up with talking points for your content, uh, your short form video, use it for quotes, but don't use it for full cut and paste copy. I, I think that until you're really, really good at using it as well, it doesn't come up with your nuances, you know, just yet your um, way of speaking, your, your thought yeah. leadership. Yeah. Yeah. So use it for ideas, use it for research, definitely. But, you know, if you're trying to position yourself as a thought leader, it's probably not the right way to go. I agree. I agree. I know there's plenty of people that don't. I did do a post uh, about this on Facebook and it yeah. uh, got a little bit controversial. I personally, my opinion is that if you want to be positioned as a thought leader, use ChatGP to help you come up with ideas, but just rely on your own thought leadership because it's your, you know, it's your nuance, as you said before. Well, look, if you ask, if you ask ChatGPT, and you can do this as a prompt, you can ask ChatGPT what is it good at, 
and it will absolutely tell you that it's not good at thought leadership and creating influence. There you go. You've heard it here. You've heard it straight from ChatGPT. Awesome. So today we've been talking about how to market on a budget and to get really good results. We talked about the three strategies, which is social media, email and PR. Choose one, pick one strategy and do it well. Go back and listen to uh, what we talked about in each of those. Just choose one area. Get consistent with it. Pay attention to the data. Test and measure the data so that you can refine your content and get great results because all of these work really, really well. And I know people that are, um, you know, big, big companies that are doing really well with any of these. So it's not just sort of an inexpensive thing. It's, it's definitely a strategy for you to use in your business to grow and scale. Anything that you'd like to add, Tim? Uh, just that you're amazing, Sam. That was the best thing that you could have added in the whole episode. <laughs> Tim, has been great to chat with you today. We would love to hear your takeaways from this episode and let us know which strategy are you going with and let's all jump in and learn together. Head over to the Facebook group Coaches, Thought Leaders and Changemakers and let's open up the conversation there around organic marketing. Sam, it's been great to be here again on another fantastic Thursday. Uh, listeners, thank you for joining us and we look forward to seeing you next time. Ciao, ciao. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Influence by Design podcast. If you want more, head over to influencebydesignpodcast.com for the show notes and links to today's gifts and sponsors. And if you're looking to connect with other experts who are growing and scaling their business too, join us in the Coaches, Thought Leaders and Changemakers community on Facebook. The links are waiting for you over at influencebydesignpodcast.com. <laughs>